Well, if this is your first time here, <laughs> you either feel more at home or maybe you won't ever come back, and that's, that's actually what I want to talk about this morning anyway. Um, <coughs> that opening clip there about uh, inviting people. Uh, this, this, church, or this month, uh, all month long, is a month where we just encourage you to invite somebody to Essential. We call it Love My Church Month. And uh, we'll be having, what did you guys have this morning on the way in? Donuts. Um, something about, even if you're a health nut, there's just something about donuts that just makes you feel comfortable. Um, or more judgmental, I'm not sure which. Um, so yeah, we'll be having donuts this week. Uh, next week we have an ice cream truck coming, then we've got food trucks coming, uh, and then a t-shirt Sunday. Some people say, well, yeah, y'all love them t-shirts, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, some people will say, well, why, why are you doing all of that? Uh, well, because uh, the number one reason why somebody comes to church is because somebody's invited them. As a matter of fact, our studies have shown that about 80% of you uh, are here because somebody personally invited you to come to church, and that's actually pretty common nationwide. Uh, when I was in college, I was a marketing major, and I'm sitting in class one day at, at a secular school, Florida State, uh, in the marketing department, and they talked about having brand evangelists. And I thought to myself, brand evangelists? You can't use that word. That's our word. And then he went on to talk about how the fact that Christianity is spread because of evangelism and one-on-one -on -one communication and how that's the most effective way to grow a product. And I was just sitting here blowing my mind blown. I'm like, you can't do that to sell beer and cigarettes and God knows what else. That's, that's our word. And, and what's really interesting is that the more you study advertising, the more they try to mimic what they, call, what they also call it word of mouth advertising they will use traditional advertising means to mimic word of mouth advertising. And that's where you'll hear a radio commercial like, hey Bonnie, have you heard about this new soap I'm using? No, tell me about it. Oh, it leaves my hands so clean as I'm making, doing the dishes. <laughs> Nobody has that conversation, but they want you to think that you do so you have some sense of word of mouth advertising. But it's personal invitation is what, um, is what moves people to try something new. And so the reason why we do these things is because uh, I think Bonnie Raitt was one of the best uh, evangelist uh, teachers I've ever heard. She had a song years ago. It's called Let's Give Them Something to Talk About. And the thing is, is oftentimes, even though you know something is good or even though you want to invite somebody to church, oftentimes you won't until you have some special reason to. And so that's why we're doing the different things this month. It's also why uh, we buy t-shirts all the time. Uh, some people say, why do you guys just give out t-shirts? A lot of churches sell them. Uh, well, because I want to try to do whatever I can to help you have opportunities to tell people about your church. Uh, and, and it works, too, because I, I remember uh, I was sitting at a party uh, about a year or so ago, and somebody sitting down to me at this party one night was like, okay, that's like the sixth shirt I've seen that says essential on it. What is this place? And by the way, the shirts are hilarious, too, and they asked me for the church, and sure enough, they started coming to Essential. Why? Because they kept seeing all these shirts. Uh, and I love the fact that you all wear them all the time. Uh, when I see you on social media, you're always wearing them, and, and I know why you wear them. And it's not because you love the church so much. It's because they're comfortable, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> we actually, we spent a long time trying to find the most comfortable shirt ever, because I know 
you have a favorite shirt in your, and you always have a favorite shirt in your drawer, right? There's like the shirts you bought on vacation that aren't very comfortable, won't fit you very well. And then there's the essential shirt, which is just so darn comfy, you can't not wear it. And that's the reason why we get them, because I want to create opportunities in your life for you to tell people about your church. Uh, because that's why we started this church in the first place, was to create a church that you could invite people to. That was sort of the heart behind all of it. But I know a lot of you people don't invite somebody to church, and the reason why you don't invite people to church is because you think of it like you saw in that video. Uh, anybody ever have somebody treat them like that when they were telling them about their church years ago? Anybody? Last year we had a bunch of them. Yeah, I guess a couple in here. Um, people tell you you're going to hell or whatever else. Uh, and so sometimes people won't invite somebody to Essential because they think they'll come off and they'll seem like that. A couple things. First of all, this church is not that church, and you're not that person. Uh, and so there's a lot of differences there, and I want you to keep that in mind uh, when you think about inviting somebody. But I can also tell you this. Here's some good numbers. If you do invite somebody to church, there is a better than 50% chance they'll come back. They'll like it enough to come back. That's what our studies have shown us. Now, over 50% of the people who come one time come a second time. That's what our studies have shown. And now, keep in mind, that statistical number includes... Like when your mother-in-law comes from Minnesota for the first time, but she doesn't live here, and so she just visited, that's a part of those people who are tallied in there, right? And so we, we can't find a way to get those people out of the survey to, to make our numbers more accurate. And so like your mother-in-law is stuck in that survey, and, and you can't get rid of her any more than you can get rid of her. And so <laughs> it's a part of the study, um, which means there's actually better than 50% chance that somebody will like it enough to come back a second time. Now, Here's what's amazing, is that there's actually a one in three chance that if you invite somebody, they'll end up making this their church home. In other words, they'll make Essential Church a home, and they'll come back again and again and again, uh, and they'll make a fifth visit. So in other words, 33% or more of people who visit here one time will end up being here more, five or more times, uh, which usually means that's their church home. Now, it's funny, when, that, when Chris, Pastor Chris has been tracking this stuff, when he told me these numbers, I said, well, what's it like nationwide? And he says, well, nationwide, for somebody to make a second visit, you're around 20%. Churches who are doing 20% are, are considered a great church. It's like, wow, okay. I was like, how about this whole like, fifth visit thing? Um, what's the studies on those? He goes, I don't know. I said, well, can you find out for me? He's like, nope. <laughs> I said, well, I, I need you to. He goes, I can't. And there's, so Pastor Chris and I have a great working relationship. He's amazing. Every once in a while, though, I'll have a moment where I'll have to go, hey, Chris, I just want to remind you, I am your boss, technically. <laughs> And I'm asking you, this is something I need you to do. He goes, I can't do it. I said, excuse me? And he goes, Steve, those numbers don't exist. I'm like, oh, you're just being pithy and smart with me. Okay. Um, but he says, he goes, those numbers don't exist. Nobody tracks the fifth visit. He says, there's only a handful of churches who'll ever even track a third visit, but everybody tracks second visit, but the numbers typically are so low for a second visit, nobody even bothers with anything beyond that. In other words, Somebody is more likely to make this their church home than they are to visit any other church a second time. Just let that sink in. But here's the thing. There's a reason for that. Because everything we've done at a church is focused on that. It's focused on that one very thing. And a lot of people don't understand that. Uh, we have a saying, we say, we want to remove every non-essential barrier between people and God. Another way of saying that is, I want to make it so that when you invite somebody there is every opportunity for them to say, I want to come back and hear more. 
I want to create an environment where somebody doesn't have to believe or agree or look like anybody else in this room to have a sense that they at least feel accepted here and can figure out what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our goal. That's our hope. That's our heartbeat. Here's the thing, though. Yeah, that's on you. You're applauding for yourselves because you guys are the one doing it. Now, here's the thing, though. Churches who are not very welcoming is not a new thing. This is something that goes all the way back to the very first century. As a matter of fact, if you go back to the very first church that was pastored by Jesus' half-brother James, uh, the very first controversy they had is, do people have to look like us and act like us and talk like us in order to be a part of us as a church? That was actually one of the very first issues they had to discuss and deal with as a church. It's found back in Acts chapter 15. And they were debating over it, and finally, Jesus' half-brother James, you know why he's called his half-brother, right? If you don't, I'm, I'm okay, a little side piece, all right. <laughs> Jesus' real daddy was God, okay? <laughs> he had some brothers, but their real daddy was Joseph. They all had the same Mama Mary, but they had different daddies. Um, so that's why they're half-brothers. Some of y'all are just, I never thought of it that way, sorry. <clears throat> and the Catholics in the room are like, so she wasn't a virgin perpetually? I don't, uh, so anyways. So Jesus' half-brother James is the pastor of the first church in Jerusalem. So you could say this is a pretty early church. I mean, we're talking really old school here. And this argument comes up over, in other words, do people have to be a conservative fundamental like me in order to be able to come to our church? In their day and time, it was, basically, those were the Jewish group, those were the Jewish Christians um, who kept all the Jewish laws and all the Jewish customs, which would be kind of the equivalent of a modern-day, ultra-hardcore fundamentalist uh, Christian and so James says this, he comes to this conclusion in uh, Acts chapter 15, uh, verse 19, he says, it's my judgment that we shouldn't make it difficult for non-religious people uh, who are turning to God. In other words, we should make it as easy as possible for people to enter into a loving relationship with Jesus Christ that they should enjoy for all eternity. And, and that's been the heartbeat. The way we say it at, at Essential is we want to remove every non-essential barrier because there's a lot of barriers that get put up between people and God. And this has been a heartbeat of mine, dating all the way back to when I was in high school. Back when I was in high school, uh, I loved my church. I loved the youth group that I was a part of, and it was just this great environment. I loved it. Um, but I remember one time I was in driver's ed, and uh, I ran into a friend of mine uh, that I'd known in middle school. Now, um, there's two kinds of driver's ed. There's the kind that you take to get your license, and then there's the kind you take to keep your license, you know? Um, it, was, it was the second kind. And so I'd seen a friend of mine that I knew in middle school, and back in middle school, he was kind of like this nerdy kid, and um, I became good friends with him, and then he went to a different high school, and so now I'm like a junior in high school, and uh, I see him, and we kind of reconnected, and we're sitting there talking and in the back of this driver's ed thing, and youth group was right after driver's ed, and so I invited him to come with me to youth group. Now, over the years, uh, he had gotten really big into the heavy metal scene and smoking, doing weed, all that kind of stuff. And so he had like, the, he looked like the lead singer from Metallica back in the day. Not the current one, but the old, you know, the, the old thing. And so he came with me to my youth group that night. And afterwards, like, hey, man, what'd you think? What'd you think? Because, you know, I love my youth group. Right? I love all my friends in the youth group. And he's like, eh, it's not really for me. And I was like, well, why? Well, he's like, eh, I just didn't really connect with everybody. And... I realized what it was is because he smelled like cigarettes and he looked like the lead singer of Metallica. Kids in the youth group didn't want to be around him. And it was kind of frustrating because, you know, I love my youth group and I wanted Thomas to have that kind of relationship with God that I had with God. He desperately, clearly needed it, but he wasn't coming back. 
And so that was my high school. Well, I went off to college and joined another church um, in college and really loved church. It was a great church and I learned a whole lot. Um, pastor was great. He would go really deep in the scriptures, stuff like that. And so I was in a fraternity and just invited one of my guys from the fraternity to come out with me to church. Uh, and on the way back, he's like, I was like, what'd you think? He's like, eh, it wasn't for me. I'm thinking to myself, I've heard that before. And I'm like, well, what, what about it wasn't for you? And he's like, I don't know. I just, I felt like everybody there was like a flight attendant kind of person. Like they had like the flight attendant smile. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, you know how like when they greet you on the plane, they don't really care who you are. They're just looking to see if you're a terrorist or not. But yet they're like, hello, welcome aboard. Hello, welcome aboard, right? He's like, that's kind of how it was at church. Like, hello, welcome, glad to have you here. Hello, glad to have you here. Hello, glad to have you here. And he goes, it was just so shallow and empty. And the pastor was kind of the same way. And I don't understand what the heck he was saying. And, you know, the pastor, he was very, very deep, as we would say in Christian circles. But to him, he was like, I just didn't get anything out of it. And so that was my college church. And so I realized that, you know, although I liked the church, my friends who I would talk to, I didn't really feel comfortable inviting them there. And so then I go to this church when I was in seminary. And it was a great church in seminary. The pastor was great, very relatable, uh, communicated well. And so I invite a friend of mine to church in seminary. He's one of my black friends. And he comes and he was there and we're on the ride home. I said, what do you think? He goes, eh, not for me. I'm like, what's wrong? He goes, I'll be honest with you, Steve. Your church is racist. And I'm like, what? Like, was everybody, you know, there, nobody's, you know, calling you the N-word. Nobody's doing white power signs. What do you mean they're racist? I didn't see anything racist. And he goes, you see, you don't see it because they look at you different than they look at me. You don't see it. I'm just telling you, it's a racist church. So I didn't agree. So I was like, fine. I taught a Sunday school class there. So next week, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do a lesson on racism next week. So next week, I get up there, I start doing my lesson on racism. Oh, it took me about, I don't know, a minute into the lesson, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a racist church. <laughs> Someday if I do a message on race, I will tell you what happened in that class. Now this was a church in New Orleans. If you don't know the background of the story and the history of New Orleans, it is an extremely, extremely racist historical city. I mean, I didn't know that existed. Uh, you can drive around New Orleans, when I lived there in the 90s, you can drive around Louisiana, and you would see blue signs that say this is Duke country. They're not talking about the Blue Devils. They were talking about David Duke, the, the Ku Klux Klan, whoever, I don't, I don't know what kind of secret handshake club these people have. Anyways, these would actually be signs as you would enter a city. That's how racist that area was, right? I didn't realize it, but he did. Now, what did I choose to do? I chose to stay there and keep on harping on that very topic the rest of the time I was at that church. Now, I didn't like the fact, though, that I went to a church that I thought was loving, but wasn't loving. So, next church I go to is I'm the pastor of the church. So certainly now I'm at a church I can invite people to. Well, that didn't go much better either. I invited a friend to that church, and I quickly realized once he got there, I was like, wow, this church is not gonna connect at all. I mean, I'm like the only person in this church under 50. And so other people my age weren't really into the music um, or kind of the vibe of the whole thing. And it just wasn't a church to connect. And so what I started doing is I would invite friends I would meet to my other friend's church. I had a friend of mine who was about my same age who was at a pastor of a church. I'd say, hey, you really ought to come to my friend's church. He's like, well, I'll go to your church. He's like, eh, you're not going to like it. <laughs> and here's the thing. I don't like pastoring a church I can't invite somebody to, right? I don't like going to a church I can't invite somebody to. And so that's where the heartbeat behind Essential came from, is, is one of the big reasons what, you know, why we started Essential was because we wanted to create a church 
where you could feel comfortable inviting somebody to church. Now, a lot of you, this is like either your first church experience or the first time you came back to church in a long, long time. How many of you is that's kind of your, your background? Nobody will ever answer any of my questions because you always think they're set up. How many of y'all been going to church your entire life and you came from here directly from another church? Okay, good. This, is, this next part's for you. So, <laughs> okay, maybe it was a slight setup. I, it's not a big setup like I normally do. Everybody knows my questions are always rigged. So, the problem with those of you who just raised your hand is some of you don't understand that the mission of our church is to remove every non-essential barrier between people and God. You like that, that's a cool thing, but to you that's just another church slogan. Because for you, you came here because this was a better church than the church you used to go to. Understandable, right? You're like, I, I like this church better. Like, like you know, like, well, I, I used to go to KFC, but then I found Chick-fil-A and I like that better. <laughs> And that's okay, sorta. But what happens is that if you came here because you just like this church better, and you don't understand that our mission is not to be the best church in Virginia Beach, then you're gonna miss something. And it, it, it may be very subtle, but it's gonna be very big over the long term. Our mission is to remove every non-essential barrier between people and God. But if you're here because you think our mission is to become the best church we can be, then what's gonna happen is after a while, you're going to text us call us, pull us aside, and you'll give a critique, and it'll be something in the sense of, hey man, I love Essential Church. I, I love my church. But you know what would make this church even better? And where you go from there is gonna be very different than who we are. You'll say, and it's not a bad thing, it really probably would make our church a better church for church people to like. And we probably would get a lot more people transfer over here from other churches because we really would be a better church if we did these things. Like, for instance, um, I'll start with myself. I have some people come in and like, hey, man, that last series you did on parables, you should do more of that. I love the background, the Greek, the history. Dude, I love that. I got a lot. I really like, could you, if you did more of that, oh, and while you're at it, could you do a series through Revelation too? No, no. Um, worship team's amazing. How many of y'all like the worship team? Amazing. Yeah, I, while we're not trying to be the best church in town, I do think we have the best worship team in town. So I, I, I personally believe that. So a lot of people will come in and say, hey, one thing I loved about my last church was they had phenomenal worship. We like would go on for like an hour. Like, I mean, it was just... Worship, it was, like a, it, was like a, it was just like a worship event every week, and we only do like three songs here, man. Like right about the time I'm getting into it, you know, I'm really getting the flow, you guys cut it. Um, we, we, if, it. It'd be awesome if you guys could just extend that worship time out a little bit longer. And I, I agree, I, I would enjoy that too. However, there's some people who come to church here and they're like, so wait a minute, you guys stand up and you guys sing songs together? Where else does anybody do that? Okay, maybe at a concert, but you only go to concerts, <laughs> but you only go to concerts of people you like and songs you already know. Picture coming in here for the first time and everybody's up singing songs you've never heard of, and there's always that one person kind of just, you know, doing this whole thing, you know, and they're like, I don't know what's going on over there, and I don't mind that you do that, that's why we turn off the lights so nobody else can see you, but 
the, the new folks are like, I don't know what's going on over there with that lady. And so yeah, it probably would make us a better church for church people if we did more worship or something, but that's not our, our main priority, actually, is we're trying to remove every non-essential barrier, and so we, we do things specifically for that reason. Um, some people might even say, you know, I think it'd be a lot better uh, if when I came, I could just park wherever I wanted to. You know who you are. You don't like the fact that you're told where to park. But we do that so we can make sure we have spaces for first-time guests, for people with large families, people who are elderly and need a spot. And some of you are like, well, I got parked all the way in the back, and I can't walk. All you got to do is roll your window down. You just say, hey, can I, can I get a spot up front? I'm, I'm, I, have, I have a bad back issue, and I can't walk very far. Instantly, you'll be right at the front. Now, some of you are going to try to game that system. Please don't. Um, <laughs> Uh, I've had people who wanted us to set up healing prayer stations on the side of the church. Some of y'all have come to church, you know, come from churches who do that, um, and also wanted us to speak in tongues. After all, they do it in the Bible. Why don't you do that in church? And I said, well, because in the Bible, they said people think you're kind of nuts when you do it, but hey, you can read about that in 1 Corinthians 14, and Paul says, I'd actually just rather you didn't do that on Sunday mornings. Read it. You read it for yourself. Don't take my word. Just read it in 1 Corinthians 14. I said, I'd just rather you didn't. I'd rather you guys focus more on preaching than do that. I'd just rather you do that. Uh, we had somebody who said, um, in your kids' ministry, this is true. These are, these, are all, these are all actual critiques. These aren't just like random stuff. These are actual critiques. Because I couldn't make this next one up. You need to teach more apologetics in the children's ministry. Yeah, they wanted us to like go through uh, like Nor- Norman Mailer's you know, points and then go through like this other, this whole curriculum on you know, why the Bible, you know, all these different things about the history. And I'm thinking, okay, you work with a lot of kids. That, that, that's. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, can you make sure that the kids are going that, are, that the kids are going to youth group will look and act like they belong in church? Um, you know, if they all did, my friend Thomas probably wouldn't feel comfortable here. But my friend Thomas, I think, would love our youth group. Yeah. Um, but it'd be kind of creepy because he's like in his 40s now, like I am. So <laughs> that's, that's not really good. Um, uh, I've also had people critique the fact that I use secular music, movie clips. Some of them are movies that actually have cursing in them, which is probably why we have that guy coming to church too. Um, <laughs> and which is funny. You know, like this, this morning's bumper clip, I think it's like the first clip I've used in probably six years that came from a church source. You notice that was like a churchy produced clip? I never used those kind of things. It just it was so funny I had to use it. Um, and the reason why is because I'm trying to connect with somebody who feels out of place here. Nothing in here has felt comfortable to them all morning long. And so then all of a sudden, I was going to show a Seinfeld clip. So if they saw a Seinfeld clip, it's going to be like, oh, okay, this I know. I didn't know the music. I didn't know everything else here. But this, this I know. And if I can connect Seinfeld and show you that Seinfeld has a heart for evangelism just in the same way Jesus Christ does, which is true, that's a clip I was going to show, it'd blow your mind. And you begin to realize there's actually something there. So what happens, though, is, is that when you think that we're trying to be the best church, what you critique are things that would make us a better church. But then you get frustrated because we don't, I don't start preaching out of Revelation because of it. And I don't extend the worship time because of it. Why? Because I'm not trying to become the best church. I'm trying to become a church that, that people who never been to church or haven't been to church in a long time will feel comfortable and understand what it means to have a loving relationship with Jesus Christ and enjoy for all eternity. 
Um, and it works, so thank you, thank you for that. And here's the thing, Paul talks about this. Um, I, I don't have much time, so I gotta, pull. Paul talks about this over in 1 Corinthians chapter nine. Paul talks about how he came from a very ultra hardcore, conservative, fundamental background. However, when he, begot, when he became focused on inviting other people in, it changed two things about him. Um, uh, it moved him towards self-denial uh, and self-discipline. He went from being very self-focused, all worried about himself and everything that he was doing right and pointing out how much, he was, how much better he was than everybody else. It moved him to a place of self-denial and self-discipline. And he talked about this over in 1 Corinthians 9. He says this, though I'm free and I belong to another. In other words, as a Christian, I know I could do whatever I wanted to do, right? He says, I've made myself a slave to everyone. In other words, I put everybody else in front of me. Uh, one of the ways we've said this, said, this right here, I said this years ago, it used to be a shock statement back then. It's no longer a shock statement, thank God, because you guys, I think I get it by now. And I said, the church isn't here for you. The church isn't here for you. We're not here to be a better church for you. We're not here to be your best church experience. Rather, you are the church. And we, as a combined group, exist here for our community. We exist to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to our city, to our world. We're here so that other people would, would know what it's like to be in the presence of Jesus Christ when they come in. We're not here primarily for you. And so when you come in and say, I would really like it if you did this better for me, we go, okay, well, we're not here for you. We're not here to make you have the best church experience. We're here to help you become more like Jesus Christ and work together with other people around you so that Jesus Christ can fill this entire place and people will know what it's like to be in Jesus Christ's presence. That's what our hope, that's what our goal is when they come into this place. And so Paul says, I realized it wasn't about me. I became a slave to everybody else. I put everybody else in front of me. And so he says, um, why? So I can win as many people as possible. And then he goes on, he says, to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law to win those under the law. So in other words, he says, when I was around my ultra-conservative, fundamental Christian friends, I went right along with it. You know, I didn't go to their church and critique it and tell them how bad it was. When I talked to my friends at work uh, who grew up in that environment, I didn't put down their church and their background and their environment. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, that's, that's good stuff. But hey, why don't you come to Essential sometime? He says, but then when I talked to my non-conservative, non-ultra-fundamental background in friends. He says, those who weren't under the law. He says, when I talked to those who didn't have the law, um, I became as those who didn't have the law. Why? So I might win those who are not under the law. And uh, then he goes on and he says, uh, uh, to the weak I became weak, to win the weak I become all things to all people so that by all means I might save some. And I do all of this for the sake of the gospel I might share in its blessings. In other words, when I come into church and when I invite people to church, I'm focusing on them and where they're at. I'm not focusing on where I'm at and what I want for me. It's a completely different shift in different mentality, which is why the critiques that we get from people who are on mission for God, the, people we get, the critiques we get from people who are inviting their friends are very, very different. We're very, very sensitive to them. Uh, we often call those cringe factors. I don't even need to explain what a cringe factor is. Cringe factor when somebody walks in and goes, that was kind of odd. We dim the lights to do away with some of the cringe factors because I know some of y'all, I, I, I don't want to limit how you worship, I just don't want everybody to have to see it. Does that make sense? Is that bad? I don't know. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Listen, here's the thing. Years ago, I was, this is a true story. Years ago, I was at a, a, church, a church planter uh, convention, and I uh, was at a very small, struggling church, and I was worshiping that morning, and I was, I was enjoying myself in worship. Let me just put it that way. I was cutting free and just enjoying myself, and some friends of mine came to me and go, hey man, 
you ever worship like that at your church? I was like, yeah. And he goes, maybe that's why nobody else is there. <laughs> See, some of you, already you have a critique in your mind. Well, you should be able to worship. Yeah, you should. But just know that somebody else might look at you like you're a little freaky. That's okay. We're just going to cut the lights so you have the freedom to worship how you want to worship. And if you're doing that over here, somebody over there probably won't see you, and that's okay. Right? So we want to make sure that we provide opportunities for everybody to be able to have a connection with God, but also make it a place that remove every nonsense barrier between people and God. And so Paul says, I, I, I'm putting my needs aside. Uh, the reason why we have really good coffee now, because I think this week it's Lynn Haven coffee. Do you know why that is? It's because somebody came and was like, yeah, I brought one of my friends here, but um, I took him to get coffee before we came. <laughs> now, had somebody come to me and said, you know, my last church had better coffee than this church. I really think you guys should get better coffee. Know what we would have, done? Know what we would have said to that one? Oh, well, thanks for that suggestion. I appreciate that. However, when somebody says to me, yeah, I invited a friend of mine, but we went and got coffee before we came. I go, okay, that means coffee's an issue with inviting your lost friend. We'll get on that right away. And there's actually pretty quick speed when these kind of things happen. And so if you want to know what makes us move, some of you are thinking, oh, I know how to game the system now. <laughs> I'll just tell them I had a lost friend who wanted to have an extended worship time <laughs> and learn about Revelation. Good luck on that one. Um, and then after that, what he goes on to say, he says, he says, don't you know all runners run a race? This is Paul talking over in 1 Corinthians 9. He goes, don't you know everybody in that race is running a race? But there's only a few who are actually out there trying to win the prize. Like if some of y'all did a mud run yesterday. Most of y'all do the mud run just to have fun, right? There's actually a co competitive level to, for some of those mud runs where they're doing it so they can be you know, number one in their age division or something, right? They're running that race a little bit different. They've trained for it a little bit differently. Paul says, when it comes to telling people about Jesus, that's me. I'm not just out there kind of enjoying everything and yeah, I want my friends to come to church kind of. No, no, no. I want to be the person who invites more people to church than anybody else. That's what he's saying. I want to get to heaven and say, I brought more people here than anybody else. That's my, that's my goal. That's what I'm looking forward to being. Um, so he says, I'm running in such a way to get that prize. Everybody who competes in the games goes into strict, tra strict training. And they do it so they get a crown that won't last. So it's, you're going to get a medal for winning a race. He says, but I'm doing this to get a crown that will last for all eternity. Because this is about a loving relationship with Jesus Christ that will last for all eternity. I, I think, uh, I don't know what pastor it was, said, I think it was uh, Russell Crowe said, what we do in this life <laughs> echoes for eternity, right? He was dressed up like a Roman, is that a Christmas play? Um, he says, uh, he says, I don't box like a boxer who's boxing into the air. No, I, I beat my body to make it a slave so after I've preached to others, I, might self, I myself might not be disqualified for the prize. He says, you know, here's what happens. When I go public and start inviting my friends to church, I realize they're looking at me with a different standard. They're watching how I walk. They're watching how I live. They're watching how I work at the office place. And so I'm willing to cross into that next territory and invite somebody to church knowing full well it's going to raise how they see me in their eyes. And I don't want to be disqualified for it. I don't want to invite somebody to my church and then have me acting a fool. Or if I do, I need to be honest about it and come to them and say, hey man, I know I was acting a fool the other day and I messed up. But one thing I love about my church is they accept people like me. 
who messes up again and again and again. I don't want you to think the church is for perfect people. That's why they let me in. Here, you want a shirt that says just that. Um, <laughs> summarize it all, by, all to say this. My hope, if you came here from another church, is that you understand we're not trying to be the best church. We're trying to be a church that moves every non-essential barrier between people and God. Why? So that we might win as many people by as many means possible. So we wouldn't make it hard for somebody to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That we would remove every non-essential barrier between people and God. Why? Because 100 years from now, the only thing that's going to matter, the only thing you can take with you, are the people in your life who also know that this life's about nothing more than a loving relationship with Jesus Christ the last for all eternity. I'll close out with this last thing. Uh, a guy who started coming to Essential uh, was here for a while, and he kept making all these critiques like best church people always make. And after about a year or so, he got so frustrated, he's like, you know, it's not for me. And so he went to find other churches where he could help them become the best church. And about two years later, I get this call from him. He's like, hey, man, I'm coming back to Essential this week. I was like, oh, it's cool. It's great. Um, and he says, well, I need to tell you why, though. I said, well, why? He says, well, I had this friend of mine who I've been trying to, you know, he desperately needs a relationship with God, really lost, a lot of problems in his life. And so I keep on trying to invite him uh, to church with me and tell him about Jesus. And he always has these, you know, objections. You know, it's all about, well, how did Noah get all the animals in the ark? And how did God create the earth in seven days? And how come you think that the earth's only about two, two to 10,000 years old? And, and all these, every time, you know, we would get somewhere, he would come up with another thing, another thing, and another thing. And so I just sit there, and like, we're in the middle of talking, and he says, I just said to him, I was like, listen, man, it's not about any of that stuff. It's, you know, it's about a loving relationship with, he's like, I started quoting you verbatim <laughs> with God that you can enjoy for all eternity. He goes, in that moment, I got it. I began to see, I understood what Essential was all about. And he says, the reason why I'm coming back is because I invited him to Essential because I knew he wouldn't want to come to the church I was going to. And so that's why I'm coming back and hopes that my friend will come. That's somebody who went from, I'm looking for the best church for me and my family, to I have such a heart for somebody who doesn't know Jesus, I need to be in a place and environment that's best suited for that. The reason why there's a better than 50% chance somebody who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ will come back here is because that's what we're focused on. That's what our mission is, is to remove those non-essential barriers. And I love the fact that when it came time to really get on mission for the same thing that Jesus was all about, to reach and save those who are lost, he said, I need to be at Essential for that. That's what I love about Essential. That's what I love about you all is the fact that you get it and you do that uh, week after week after week. We join us as we close our time in prayer. Father, I thank you for your love and I thank you for your grace. I thank you, Lord, for the message of communion that I get the opportunity to explain here in just a moment because that's what everything that we do is all about is about communicating your great love for all of us and your hope, your desire, your plan that you've had since before time for all eternity for us. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.